0: All right, let's wake up, let's have a party, huh? Let's do a little, a day party here. It is the Indiana Outdoor Show. As my son would say, we're having a darty. It's the Indiana Outdoor Show. I am your host, Brian Pointer. It's our anniversary month, our birthday month. The show started in June of 1999, and it's a thrill and privilege, and indeed an honor to be here each and every Saturday, talking about one of the great things that I enjoy, and that's the Indiana Outdoors and beyond. Today, no different and we are brought to you by Indiana Donor Network, driven to save lives, the number 2.org. You can sign up to be an organ and tissue donor when you buy your hunting and fishing license. And with that, a great show. It's always good to visit with our biologists. You know how much I love our, our biologists, and it doesn't matter if it's fish or mammals or anything else. There's such great knowledge, and the technology is changing so dramatically affecting for the positive all of the things in our Indiana outdoors. Jerry Ann Albers is going to join us. She's our fur bearer biologist. I don't know about you, but I keep seeing and hearing stories about bobcats uh, being seen all over the state of Indiana and being hit by cars. You know you've got an overpopulation in certain areas when there be, when animals are being hit by cars. Uh, they're nocturnal. They're hard to see. I've hunted in Indiana for more than 40 years, and I have never seen one in the wild. But more and more, I get pictures and people say they saw a bobcat, and it's just one of those things that is special. So we're going to talk to her about the health of that, and I'm sure get into other things, uh, because when I have the biologists on, I always tend to wander, which is a good thing. Scott Davis, brand new, updated third version of the department of natural resources app i've looked at this it's fantastic and a lot of questions right at your fingertips jack seifert our state forester is going to be with us we're going to be talking about the million tree initiatives i think you're going to want to stick around we've kind of hit a big benchmark it is the indiana outdoor show and i'm your host brian pointer stay tuned right after this What a beautiful weekend! What a beautiful day! So happy to be with you in the Indiana Outdoor Studios. I am your host, Brian Pointer. Great to be with you. Grateful for all of the stations that carry Indiana Outdoors all over the state of Indiana. We've had some, we've had some new, uh, new stations since the beginning of the year. It's always great to have them. And if you get the opportunity, thank those stations because they do have a choice. We're brought to you by Indiana Donor Network. Driven to the number two, driven to save lives.org. And we thank them to make this show possible. As I mentioned at the top of the hour, it's always great to visit with our biologists. You know that by now. After 24 years, this is our anniversary month. And it is great to visit with all of our biologists. Jerry Ann Albers is the fur biologist here in the state of Indiana, frequent guest on Indiana Outdoors. Jerry Ann, how have you been?
1: I've been great.
0: How have you been? Well, I'm getting along a little better. I got a new hip, so that's been great. Knock on wood. Uh, I've had emergency room visits longer than it took to put a new hip in your body, believe it or not. And I... It's amazing. I mean,
1: how that works sometimes. <laughs> it's
0: amazing. Yeah. So I'm uh, grateful for that, but yeah. you know, here we are, early summer, a lot of folks heading out into the great Indiana outdoors, maybe visiting a state park or going on some trips around the state of Indiana, and I just thought it'd be good to catch up with you. One of the things that I have seen recently, and when I say recently, it's been an ongoing conversation, but I've seen over the last year or so more and more conversation about people seeing bobcats in the state of indiana now i've hunted in indiana for 40 years or more i've never seen one but that doesn't mean diddly poo because they're i get i get people all the time sending me pictures and saying hey i had this cool experience in the woods and i've heard that they have just they're kind of covering all over the state of indiana I just wanted to get your take. It sounds like this is another great story where the bobcats are coming back and people are seeing them and encountering them and having a, a unique experience in the Indian outdoor woods. What do you say?
1: Yeah, they are. They're a really cool uh, success story, and they're a really neat part of Indiana's wildlife. You know, there are resident wild cats, so they're really cool, but they're also nocturnal, so not pe- a lot of people get to see them regularly because they're not – wandering around at 3 a.m. like our cats are. Um, So when people get to see them, it's pretty neat. So, uh, But they have uh, an interesting history here in Indiana because they, like many of our species, turkey, beaver, deer, you know, we lost them in the late 1800s, early 1900s. Habitat changes, no regulations, all those things. So they were really low to almost none of them through um, the mid-1900s. And then in the 70s, we started getting a couple trickling in Um, And then in the 90s, we started seeing more. Um, Our bobcats came up mostly from the south, from states like Kentucky, Tennessee, where bobcats were doing well and starting to grow again. And then uh, they started doing really well. And I consider our... um, big uh, bobcat boom the 2010s when they really started increasing and they're now common across southern and west central indiana and they're increasing in the rest of the state and they've been detected in almost every county i think we only have like one where i don't have a bobcat report from.
0: oh come on let's let's help them out let's put some in there every every county needs to have bobcats
1: We might have gotten one in that county since then. I've been this yeah last year or two, especially getting a lot of bobcat reports. We have a great online form; people can send us bobcat reports too, and that's really been helping us track. You know which counties people are seeing them in and things like that. So I'm sure if we. If that one's still empty, I don't think it will be for long.
0: Well, it's a great story, like the turkey and like the deer, and I've told this story many times. When my dad started hunting as a young man in the state of Indiana, there were no deer. There was no season, yep. and turkey's the same story. Jack Spaulding wrote a great story. He was a guest here, great award-winning outdoor writer, about how the wild turkey was reintroduced to the state of Indiana. It's just a wonderful story, uh, and it kind of is a different twist when people might think uh, when they think of the wild turkey but my point is now you've got a a record harvest season you have turkey hunters all over the state of indiana open to hunting and they're seeing turkeys everywhere on the side of the road you know and you can say the same thing for the eagles the otters the ospreys and everything else so it's man's Mm -hmm. helping hand to mother nature which goes a long way and you've already kind of alluded to what one of the things i wanted to bring up and if people do have these encounters with a bobcat where is it that they go to report that and what do you do with that information
1: yeah so we have an online report form it's called report a mammal it's actually a place where people can report um a variety of wildlife they might see that we're interested in learning more about. Uh, so things like armadillos and badgers and flying squirrels are all on this same report form. Uh, but it's at our website, on.in.gov slash report dash a dash mammal. And they can upload a photo and it's a place where they can submit us their um, sightings of a variety of species, including bobcats.
0: I love the stories when we give Mother Nature a helping hand. She's perfect in all her ways. But i got to back up. Did you just say armadillos? Yep. I know we've talked about this, and I know I've used this in a sentence in cocktail conversations, and people's jaw drops all the time. Because I think you told me that there's been more than 50, less than 100 armadillo sightings in Indiana, and I couldn't believe that. Is that true?
1: Yeah, Um I don't know what the total number is now, but I think it's probably still in that same range. But yeah, we actually, we got a report, came into our report form this morning of another armadillo that was, um, a lot of times what we get are road kills because they are armadillos. Um, but yeah, a one down, I think it was around Lawrence County somewhere. I know that that came in this morning. So down in the Southern part of the state, we're picking up some armadillos. Yeah.
0: And you know, if you have mild winters and I guess they kind of burrow and do they hibernate? Or they're just kind no, armad- of, I don't know what they do. I'm, I'm not familiar yeah, with my armadillo.
1: Dormant for a cold period, yeah. but I don't know if they're true hibernators like our groundhogs are.
0: Yeah. And again, back the bus up, rewind the tape. Do we have badgers in this state? We do.
1: Yes. So we're kind of fringe of badger range. We're kind of right at the edge. So we don't have a ton of badgers. But we do have some badgers around. We've detected them in actually quite a few counties as well. The most common parts are northeastern counties. Yes, um, that places makes around sense. Like Pigeon River, Fish and Wildlife Area. And then over in our Kankakee Sands, um, kind of like around Willow Slough Fish and Wildlife Area. And some of those places are where they're most common. But we've picked up reports in a few southern counties and things like that, too. Anywhere you have kind of a... Sandier loamy soil, there could be badgers around because it's good for, you know, them being able to burrow into. But yeah, we do have some badgers around as well.
0: All right, see, I'm going to have to add this to my wealth of inconsequential knowledge as I'm talking to people, you know, over a weekend and having a frothy cold beverage somewhere, perhaps, and we get on these conversations about the show and what'd you talk about? I was like, well, we got armadillos and badgers. They're invading Indiana. I'm going to go with that, but I know that's not quite the case. But back on the bobcats, um, these are such beautiful animals, and I know that, you know, they're they're not hunted, which is good at this time. But there's a conversation in, in, in how to manage the population, and that's where our biologists and their science come into play, and that'll play itself out. But as you, as the fur furbearer biologist in the state of Indiana, what are some of the other things that you're focused on? Maybe we've touched on a few, but what else do you do when we're not talking on Indian Outdoors about badgers and, and bobcats?
1: Yeah, so I run some of our uh, furbear research projects. I kind of coordinate those. We have a big, we're actually getting close to the end of a big statewide research project on gray foxes um, to see, learn more about them because it seems like their range has changed in Indiana. So we're trying to learn what's going on with gray foxes. And then I run some of our long-term trend surveys um, to monitor how species populations are changing over time. And some of those are actually opportunities for people to volunteer for the DNR. Um, One of them is the archers index where bow hunters in the fall can sign up to report observations they see. And that actually helps us look at animals like Bobcats and coyotes and red foxes and raccoons, and as well as turkey and deer and things like that. Um, and then also right now, actually, if you have any canoers and kayakers listening, we're running the Paddlecraft Wildlife Index for people who paddle, canoe, kayak, paddleboard, whatever, on Indiana's beautiful waterways can sign up to volunteer and tell us about the wildlife they see while they're paddling and how long they're paddling. And we're hoping that will give us kind of trends, long-term trends for a few of our aquatic-oriented Species like our mink, our muskrat, our river otter, our osprey, our eagle, and our kingfisher. So um, I run things like that, and there's some pretty cool opportunities in there for people to volunteer with us as well.
0: I love the volunteer opportunities, and I guarantee you that there's hundreds and hundreds of kayakers, canoeers, paddlers uh, who are on our waterways who would love to take part in all of this. And... I want to talk about mink, because I had a unique conversation. I have a gentleman farmer friend who moved to a rural location, and he and his family built a beautiful house, and they've got pigs and chickens and everything else, and he was terrorized by a ravaging mink who got into his chickens and... I will leave the gory part alone, but all of his fryer chickens, they came out one day and they were all killed, and I Mm -hmm. said, are you sure it's a mink? He goes, oh yeah, I've seen it. I had no idea we even had those little badger little boogers here in the state of Indiana, at least enough to kill chickens, but is that something that, that, is that a thing?
1: (laughs) That is a thing, unfortunately. The problem is chickens are tasty i mean there's a reason we eat a lot of them so almost anything that wants to eat meat would try to eat a chicken um mink foxes coyotes raccoons like all of them even possums sometimes you know will try so mink can go after chickens on occasion um they do and they're you know one of our what we call semi aquatic so they live in and near our waterways but they do go into upland and drier areas to hunt for food because they eat a lot of mice and they'll eat squirrels and things like that and so that's how they will sometimes encounter people's chicken coops but they are statewide and they're one of the species we're trying to get more information on because we don't have a great trend survey for them that we would like um, we also actually did a little bit of research with them with uh, purdue university in fort wayne um last year and the year before to try to see if we could use an emerging genetics technique to detect them in our waterways, By just like taking a water sample and using a technique called environmental DNA to see if we could pick up mink and then compare that to using cameras. Um, So we've been doing a little bit with mink and they are all over the state. Um, but we don't know as much about their populations as we do about some of our other species, like river otters and bobcats. But we're, it's one we're trying to learn more about. But pretty much anywhere you might have muskrats, you probably also have mink because they like to eat muskrats too.
0: Well, I, you know, they're they're mean little boogers I can tell you that because there wasn't a lot of feasting on these chickens according to this friend of mine it was basically a, a murder <laughs> I mean it was it was basically a slaughter and he just uh, they came out and there were 24 dead frying chickens and it wasn't like they were eaten for food it was like they were all gone in one night and they were like just killed and i was like well Mm -hmm. that that little mink is not meant to be around very long but i didn't really realize the extent that we had those in our state of indiana so as always i learned something on indiana outdoors hopefully everybody else does and i love did you say aquatic dna how does that work
1: It's called environmental DNA. Um, So it's actually a technique that's been emerging over the last couple of years where you can try to pull DNA out of different environmental samples to look for species. So you can pull them out of water, out of soil. They're even trying to do it with air now for like bats and stuff. But they've done it most with water and some aquatic species like fish. Um, It's one of the ways that they're trying to look for like invasive species when you can't see them necessarily like Asian carp uh, and things like that. But we're trying to see if we can use it for other um, things as well, such as detecting presence of some of these more cryptic and hard to find animals. And uh, It's a pretty cool technique. So that's been really.
0: I'm glad the that track. there are smart people in our department of natural resources, because that's fascinating to me. We've been doing this show 24 years and. It's just amazing the technology that's at the hands of our biologist. Did you ever think when you were a little Jerry Ann that you were gonna grow up and be the fur bearer biologist in the state of Indiana?
1: Uh, no, I think when I was a little Jerry Ann, I didn't know that that was a job. <laughs> I know it, was, it wasn't until my 20s that I figured out that this was a job that I could do. But as soon as I figured that out, I was like, yes, this is the job that I want to do. So
0: I love it when you can find what your passion is in life, and you've been a regular guest and always bring great information. Real quickly, because there are a lot of people out in the woods, if someone comes across a mink or a badger or uh, a bobcat, uh you want people to report this. Give that site one more time.
1: Yep, so the website is on.in.gov slash report dash uh dash mammal
0: fair enough. And I'm sure if you just Google, where do I report a mammal in the state of Indiana, it'll come right up. And Jerian Albers is our fur bearer biologist in the state of Indiana, and we always appreciate her time on Indiana Outdoors. And I hope that we have more and more opportunities to talk as all these great stories come to bear. But in the meantime, I hope you have a great weekend and thanks for being a part of Indiana Outdoors.
1: Well, thank you. It's great
0: being here as always. As always. Jerry Ann, it's great to have her and all of our biologists in the Department of Natural Resources, one of my favorites. Don't go anywhere. It is the Indiana Outdoor Show. We're brought to you by Indiana Donor Network, driven to save lives.org. We're going to be back right after this. It is Indiana Outdoors. What a beautiful weekend. It's always a beautiful weekend when we can talk about Indiana Outdoors. I am your host, Brian Pointer. So grateful on our birthday anniversary month, 24 years of Indiana Outdoors. And I couldn't be more proud. And I'm thankful each and every week to get with you on this station. Thank those that carry them. Many have been with us since day one. And we do appreciate that. And if you like the show, call them up and thank them. Uh, we're brought to you by Indiana Donor Network, driven to save lives.org. Making progress. Sign up to be an organ and tissue when you buy your hunting and fishing license. Couldn't be any easier. And we're making some progress on that Hoosier donor waiting list. And keep up the great work. Joining me now is Scott Davis, he is our senior webmaster in our Department of Natural Resources. Kind of a fun thing, which I love to talk about uh, whenever we got new new, new toys out there. Scott, it's great to have you be a part of Indiana Outdoors. How are you doing this weekend? I'm fine. Hey, thanks for having me. appreciate it. Uh, my pleasure. And I saw there was a press release that came out this week about uh, a new smartphone app. Now, I love my apps. I love my smartphone. Every person that goes on the water, in a boat, in the woods, on a trail literally almost everybody has the technology in hand that is more technologically advanced than I think what they used to use. put men on the moon back many years ago. And it has really changed and revolutionized hunting, fishing, uh, hiking, uh, topography, everything. Because you have these apps that are all enabling people to be more in tune now that's a good thing and it's also a bad thing we won't debate that but i saw there's a new smartphone app for the department of natural resources division of fish and wildlife and i went and downloaded it and i love it so i'm not going to get ahead of my skis here tell us about it
2: okay well hey thanks brian uh yeah we uh have just released uh, a new version of our app It, it we've actually had an app for a while but uh apps are having a moment now once again. Uh, You know, everybody's using them for different services, order food, banking, you know, buying tickets, whatever. And so we decided to put some extra effort and offer some additional features and and redesign our current, uh, our smartphone apps. They're available both for iPhone and Android platforms uh, so that we would have a nice platform to build on for the future.
0: And you know what? Uh, I'm all for that and I downloaded it very user friendly, so many features kind of in one spot. And I know it's an upgraded. I didn't necessarily use the old app and it's been out there for I guess more than a decade but this is really cool and streamlined and a fantastic addition to the many other resources available to hunting, fishing, outdoor recreation that that our consumers have.
2: Yeah, it, it like I mentioned it, and it gives us uh you know an ability to add more features in the future and 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 you know we're slowly thinking about having uh, developing a roadmap for what will phase two will be, what will phase three be, and and beyond, because apps are here to stay, and we really want to engage with the public in an app way.
0: I like it in an app way. I'm going to borrow that one. So as <laughs> as you uh, are using this technology, just give me some just some high level tidbits of how practically any of our consumers who like our Department of Natural Resources can use this app that you feel are beneficial for people to know about?
2: Oh, sure. Okay, so on the, the, when you first open the app uh it asks you for a couple of things and and you can choose whether to do that or not it asks you if if you're willing to share your location and it also asks you if you want to have notifications so that's something new in in our apps is that we now have the ability to send out notifications if something is happening at one of our dnr properties or overall in the dnr state Uh, and in addition to notifications, we have uh, completely redesigned the map function in there so that they load better. And you can get details on individual DNR properties, not only state parks, but fish and wildlife areas, nature preserve, uh, shooting and archery ranges. I'm just getting ready to load in uh, fish hatcheries so people can visit. We have recreation opportunities at, at those places, not within the fish tanks themselves, but you know. Uh, <laughs> so, uh, And also, uh, motorized recreation. So in, in addition to locations, we have links to some of our more popular GIS-driven maps, like uh, the where to hunt, where to fish, and the Trail Finder GIS applications that live on our website. And we're also linking to that and presenting them in kind of a a more mobile-friendly view uh, from the app.
0: I I absolutely, uh, when I went to this, and maybe I sound like I've just found something that's been out there for a decade, but nobody's ever accused me of being on the bleeding edge of anything. But, you know, for example... We have the Hunting and Fishing Guide, which is a wonderful resource. And I get two or three copies, one for the car, one for the house, take it to our hunting camps and things like, um, you know, I get questions all the time, you know, when does hunting season start or when does it end or what's the zone for this hunt or that hunt? I have good questions about licenses and, and bundles and all that kind of stuff. I now have this immediately, uh, available, including the complete web version of the fishing or the hunting and trapping guide. So I've just found this to be very fascinating and I wanted people to know about it. And if you get on any one of the resources where you can download these apps for Apple or Android, I encourage people to do that. You've got opportunities to contact, you've got calendars. Um, and I know we talked about the nature passport, where people can check in at state parks. There's a link to that. It's just, it's as they say, it's all there for you.
2: Uh, yeah, uh, search for Indiana DNR in your favorite app store, and, and you'll be able to find us.
0: Scott, as always, appreciate you bringing great news to the state and those who enjoy Indiana's outdoors. Best of luck. We'll look forward to updated versions. And uh, for guys like me who are just a little bit slow, thanks for doing all this. Hey, no problem. I you like it. Have a great weekend, and it is my pleasure. Scott Davis, our webmaster, check it out, the new DNR app. It is the Indiana Outdoor Show, and I'm your host, Brian Pointer, back right after this. It is the Indiana Outdoor Show. Thank you so much for being a part of Indiana Outdoors, as I do each and every week. I tell people I learn so much, and I did from Jerry Ann Albers earlier on, our state furbearer biologist. You know, we talk about bobcats and mink and badgers. Believe it or not, I did not know that we even had badgers in the state of Indiana. But because we have Indiana Outdoor guests like her we now know that also many thanks to scott davis brand new app an upgraded app i should say that i feel is fantastic and everything that i need to know is right there at my fingertips speaking of knowing everything jack Seifert knows everything about forestry he is our state forester one of my favorite people jack it's great to have you back on indiana outdoors how you been
3: i'm pretty good thanks for inviting me on
0: Well, it's always great to have you be a part of Indiana Outdoors, and I can't thank you enough for joining us. And, you know, I've been following... We've talked about this, actually, a few times in Indiana Outdoors in conjunction with a lot of organizations and others that have participated. But I think it was back, I want to say, in 20, maybe 2020, our governor, who is a fan of the Indiana Outdoors for sure, and hopefully a friend of Indiana outdoor show, in his State of the State address, talked about charging the Department of Natural Resources with an initiative to plant a million trees in the state of Indiana within five years. And I understand we've kind of hit a huge milestone here, but it took a lot of work and a lot of people and a lot of organizations to come together. And as a state forester, I'm sure that makes you happy. Tell us about it. Oh, yeah, absolutely. We love planting trees. (laughs) Uh, Well, it's it's job stability for you.
3: Well, I mean, it's just it's in our DNA. I mean, it's what we do, we believe in natural resources, we believe in renewability and we uh believe in um creating new habitats for for wildlife as well as creating new forests. So, this was a, a really an easy transition for us to go and um jump into the project. Uh, Our goal was to plant 200,000 trees per year, and we're a little ahead of that goal, so we will hit the million tree goal uh, probably
0: early in spring of
3: 2023.
0: Well, you make our director, Dan Bortner, happy when you can exceed the governor's expectations. And I think that's been the case here as always. And when you talk about planting these trees, we've had conversations with the Wildlife Federation and other organizations who have uh, the Natural Resources Foundation who have put on these volunteer efforts where people go out. It's not like people are just running up and down Meridian Street or U.S. 31 planting trees. This is an organized effort. How do you know where to put them and what are they putting in the ground and what is the long term benefit? to to hoosiers
3: um this is quite different than planting a tree in your backyard obviously we're we're usually taking uh some cases uh highly harvested or cut over timberland or pasture ground or in some cases agricultural land and uh, going in and thinking about planting it uh, with trees uh, as you with a a machine like you see people plant corn and soybeans i mean these are uh, tractor-driven machines, they plant the trees, they apply the weed control, and uh, we can plant uh, with a three-person crew about 1,000 thousand trees an hour.
0: That's insane. And it's in a... What type of trees are these?
3: They're uh, they're, they're nursery stock that's grown at our Bologna nursery. They're anywhere from one to two years old, so they some people might call them whips. We call them seedlings there. Uh, Typically 18 to 24 inches tall. Uh, And most of them that we're planting are what we call heavy mass producers, meaning that they have uh, a seed like an acorn or a walnut, something like that, that not only benefits uh, the wildlife, but it's got a a potential economic value as well into the future.
0: Jack, as our state forester, long-time state forester, wealth of knowledge that you've accumulated over the years, it's finally good to hear some great things that people are actually praising and lauding, because I know sometimes forestry can become one of those divisive issues, but you've done such a great job managing our natural resource here in the state of Indiana for the betterment of not just the critters and for humanity, but it's it's a great thriving industry in the state of Indiana with sustainability, and I have to think that that's going to be beneficial in the long run as well.
3: Oh, absolutely. I mean, we're one of the few states that uh, along uh, many years ago decided to seek what we call certification for sustainability. So we have uh, folks who come in and uh, sort of oversee, they go through our records, they look at our practices and um, they either tell us we're doing a good job or you need improvements here and we're approaching 17-18 years of outside oversight on our management program. So Uh, Every year we've maintained it. If you feel good about it, Uh, it's more than just about cutting trees. It's about providing diversity. It's about providing recreational opportunities. It's about providing wildlife habitat. So uh, we've been doing it for 120 years, and the forests are actually better now, I think, than they were when we started this division of forestry a long time ago.
0: I would agree with you on that. I've sat in dozens of presentations that you've given to outdoor writers and to other people who, and groups, and every time I leave hearing you talk about sustainability and hear you talk about the health Of Indiana's natural resources and forestry, my jaw drops because it's not a willy nilly situation where you guys get a crew together with a bunch of chainsaws and just go out and whack trees down. There is a science to this, and I heard you word the term, the the word diversity, which is overused in many cases, but the health of our our forests here in the state of Indiana is much better uh, and in the long term more sustainable because of your actions.
3: Well, we've always, ecologically, the more diverse, I mean, species diversity, whether it's trees or wildlife, uh, is just a huge uh, concern for us because you never can predict what's going to happen 20 years, much less 50 or 100 years down the road. So. Uh, we're very different than people might be thinking about in those south where they grow one species kind of forest or in the west where you have uh, one or two species kinds of forests. We're really diverse here, and we may have dozen, two dozen species that we're managing to maintain not only as mature trees, but looking at what we call progeny, the next generation coming along.
0: Jack, I know you just sit around high atop the throne of forestry, but what are some of the things that are on your plate as you look into 2023 and beyond? What are some of the things that keep you awake at night?
3: You know, the, the lack of, uh, I guess, understanding of, of the science that drives our natural systems. Uh, people, in many cases, are sometimes two and three generations removed from what we used to think of the farm. And so, uh, with the world we live in, there's lots of ways for people to poke at you and say you don't have all the data that you need to be able to go forward. And I would say we have a pretty good system in place. Uh, we've got a lot of research that's going on. And, and with anything, you know, you're not 100% sure of anything. You do the best you can. You adapt and then you keep moving forward.
0: I agree with you, Jack. As always, our state forester, one of the best and reputable across the country for your expertise. Thanks for doing what you do day in and day out, and uh, congratulations on uh, making the governor happy and making your boss, Dan Bortner, happy, the director of department of announced resources. We look forward to bringing everybody up to speed when you hit that, that million and beyond. Thanks for being a part of Indiana Outdoors. Thank you for uh, inviting me. Always great. Jack Seifert, one of my favorite people in the Department of Natural Resources. It is the Indiana Outdoor Show. I am your host, Brian Pointer. We're brought to you by Indiana Donor Network, driven to save lives.org. Don't go anywhere. We're going to be back right after this. indiana outdoors weekend here it's indiana outdoors every day i hope i am your host brian pointer another great program here this weekend i have said this almost every show for 24 years and that is i learned something and you'd think sitting here and having the opportunity to talk and bring great resources to you each and every week that There's not much that you don't know or can't learn, but that is not the case, especially today when we have biologists like Jerry Ann Albers talking to us. The intent was to talk about Bobcats because I keep seeing all these reports of people seeing Bobcats, and I've never seen one, but I get pictures all the time of people from trail cams and other things, and to hear her affirm that they are in virtually every county of the state now and very healthy. Um, you've, I've heard a lot of people talk about reporting of, of accidents where the cars hit Bobcats Etc., etc. It's a great story, and there is a site, and they want you to report these types of things to report a mammal. I guess just Google Report a Mammal, Indiana Department of Natural Resources, and you'll get all the information you need uh, so that they can use that. And then we got into the conversation about mink and badgers. Didn't know we had badgers. Yep. Didn't know we had that many armadillas uh, in the state of Indiana. It's kind of cool. I hope we get more and more of them. But all that being said, Jack Seifert was fantastic as always. He is our state forester. We've clicked much closer to that Million Tree Initiative. The governor back in 2020 challenged our Department of Natural Resources to plant a million new trees by 2025, and we've clicked over 900,000. So very soon... We're going to have a million new trees in the ground. As our state forester, he is well respected across the country for his expertise, and the state of Hoosier hardwoods has never been stronger. So we thank him for being a part of it. Brand new, updated, third generation app. I've looked at it, it's fantastic. Check it out. Get it on your phone and use it. Lots of resources at your hands. So. I got a lot of stuff to talk about in these cocktail conversations the rest of the weekend. It is the Indiana Outdoor Show each and every weekend. It's my thrill to be here. We're going to be back next weekend, of course. We're brought to you by Indiana Donor Network, driven to save lives.org. Folks, remember turn in a poacher, one 800 tip IDNR. I'll see you outside, everybody. Be safe.